Hello, NACA members. Welcome back to the NACA podcast. This is Doug Church, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at the NACA National Office. I am here with the Director of Government Affairs, Jose Sabalos. Good to see you again. Oh, Doug, thanks for coming by. Thanks for all you guys do in uh, communications. Thank you. We want to talk about budget, specifically the Department of Transportation and FAA budget, and the breaking news we have of this week here, uh, the week of June 24th. We knew coming into this week that Majority Leader Steny Hoyer had a goal of passing all appropriations for fiscal year 2020 by the end of the month of June. And tell us what happened this week with the T-HUD bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's start with T-HUD first of all. And T-HUD is what funds, uh, primarily funds the FAA, where we focus quite a bit. The house marks were good in terms of the operations account. Uh, the bill had, I believe, it, it was on a minibus with four other bills. They had about 500 amendments filed for that. Um, they worked through it late last week and they just finished up yesterday and T-HUD did pass. Um, so in terms of process, now that T-HUD appropriations are done in the House, the action now moves over to the Senate. The Senate really isn't in a place where it's ready to go. Um, their process is gonna be slower What we're expecting is that once Congress, which has off next week for the 4th of July recess, once they return, I think we're gonna see a focus from the Senate that will quickly turn toward the appropriations process uh, in trying to figure out, you know, exactly what needs to be done to get the appropriations, whether it's defense, all of government, uh, funded before September 30th. Time flies really quick. Uh, even though it seems like they're not getting anything done, right? it'll fly really quick and we'll get to September 30th before they know it. Let's back up for just a moment and start with a couple of definitions for, for those listening who may not be aware of these terms. So the term minibus, mm-hmm. what does that mean exactly? Well, minibus, what they do uh, is because Congress does go a lot slower now, it's a lot more partisan, in order to move these appropriation packages, uh, it's almost impossible to move them one by one. In other words, taking care of your defense bill first, then taking care of your legislative bill, then taking care of interior. What they do is they group them together. You know, and I think some people have heard the term omnibus, which Mm -hmm. is when they used to put everything in one package. And now what they do is they call these minibuses, where they'll take the first minibus had four bills. We were in the second minibus, which had five. Um, And then after, you know, just to back up a little bit, after ours is done, they're going to try to take up the um, financial services appropriations, which is important because it includes the pay raise for federal employees. Okay. Um, so we'll be looking at that and working on that over the next, you know, these coming days and into the right after 4th of July week, uh, recess. All right. So how notable is it, though, that this T-HUD bill passed this week with three months to spare uh, before the end of the, the fiscal year? Is that Should that be a source of uh, optimism for us? It, look, we have to look at it as process. I mean, you know, that's the first step in the process. It's done. Sometimes in the past, you've seen the Senate go first. At least we have one chamber done. You know, now we have to get the second chamber done. Once the Senate and the House have both acted, then they're going to have to find out how they, um, you know, settle on any differences they had in the past. They used to conference the two bills and then find, you know, common ground and then come up with one package that can come out of Congress that gets voted on again. Um, But, you know, the wild card here, and it's very important to point out, is what's the White House going to do? 
what's the White House going to do on this one, on the T-HUD bill and that mini, uh, minibus, and what are they going to do in financial services? Uh, generally speaking, if I can go just a little deeper for a second, for the appropriations process to go all the way through so that once we come to September 30th, we're not faced with a shutdown again or another threat of a shutdown, there would have to be some sort of agreement in terms of the funding numbers between the White House, the Senate leadership, and the House leadership. We don't have that yet. Okay. Okay. So right now it's kind of, they're winging it. The House just decided to move forward anyway without an agreement. The Senate is saying if there isn't an agreement by right after 4th of July, they're going to move forward. And basically what they're going to try to do is then see if they can come, you know, as the process is moving forward, if they can come up with some sort of agreement on numbers between the House, Senate, and White House. If they do, that is a very good sign for things moving forward. If we don't have an agreement by the end of July, um, I think that's going to put, people are going to be worried about the process moving forward. Okay. Let's take a look at the two major pieces of legislation that affect our members that have been introduced that would uh, keep them paid throughout another uh, possible shutdown if that does happen again. One is H.R. 1108, the Aviation Funding Stability Act of 2019, and the other is the Senate Companion Bill S-762. Both of those were on, on full display at our recent NACA in Washington event last month. Maybe we should talk about it starting with NACA in Washington because that, that was our ask for co-sponsors. Mm -hmm. Now looking back on the success of NACA in Washington a month ago, can you kind of talk about how many co-sponsors we have and how how influential was that process of our members going to the Hill to lobby for that? Well, it was fantastic. I actually just uh, a couple hours ago was in a meeting with a member from New York, uh, Representative Engel, and him and his chief, who they're on, um, Engel is on the bill as a co-sponsor, normally doesn't get on these kind of bills, gave an incredible amount of credit to our locals who were over here, to the field people who were really put into work, the ask, and the follow-through. So, I mean, I got to tell you, not only was NAC in Washington very successful from the point of view of we hit the hill when they came here, but the follow-through and the follow-up that happened from the field, working collectively, the NLC, I give them a lot of credit, uh, working with our office and our staff over here at the headquarters, uh, we've done really well. Uh, Chairman DeFazio, to say that he's ecstatic that we are already today sitting at 226, uh, which is already a majority in the House. He, uh, yesterday alone, he was telling me he likes the direction we're going. He believes that once the discussion and the volume goes up again in terms of a potential shutdown is going to be the time when he starts swinging hard with this bill. I think it's important to note we did, that our members did a great job when they came in here, uh, both on the House and Senate side. But one of the things we, one of the tactics that we've used is we want to make sure we're very strong on the House side first before we make a big push from here in D.C. on the Senate side. And the reason is, is that bills like this typically, which some people consider an automatic CR, are not bills that leadership on both sides really support. So we're kind of having to force people's hand and NAC in Washington made that so much easier and work of our membership and the NLC has really helped out a lot to where we are. Like I said, we have leadership now taking notice 
Uh, this is a bill that normally appropriators are not big fans, this kind of bill, um, they're not big fans of, but because of the work in the field, we've got, I believe, three chairmen from appropriation subcommittees on there. Mm. We have something in the range of, you know, uh, we, we're getting close to a majority of the appropriations committee. So we feel really good about where we are, but I want to be really clear, yeah, this is not a slam dunk, far from it. Uh, people seem to be really impressed with the work that our membership has done, which is why I mentioned uh, Chairman Engel just a few minutes ago. Um, they're very impressed with the work that our members have done to get so many co-sponsors on mm -hmm. this bill. And we're not done. We're going to keep going. Okay. Well, let's close this podcast by talking about what's coming potentially uh, the end of September and as the new fiscal year begins. We've got a three-pronged level of threat out there, as Paul and Trish made clear in their remarks at NAC in Washington last month. We have, obviously, the end of the fiscal year and what we've been talking about trying to get appropriated funds for the beginning of fiscal 2020. We have the possible return of sequestration mandated forced budget cuts that we last saw uh, in 2013. And we have the debt ceiling that needs to be increased. So taking all of those threats into account, where are we? Well, let's knock them off one by one and we're gonna start with the debt ceiling. The conventional wisdom is that the debt ceiling will be addressed when there's a deal, as I mentioned before, on the greater appropriation numbers, uh, what are known as the bu budget caps, is part of a deal there will include a deal on the debt ceiling. Uh, both Republicans and Democrats in the House and the White House, with, uh, excuse me, in the House and the Senate, um, leadership is just not interested in a fight over the debt ceiling. Uh, having said that, it has to be agreed to and it hasn't been yet. Okay. So that's the first part. The second part is something that our membership, unfortunately, is really familiar with. September 30th, end of a fiscal year, we have an impending closing, you know, closure of government again, that will be talked about. The likelihood of what we're looking at right now today is, best case is there is an agreement between the House, Senate, and White House on numbers. They get through on the appropriations process if they can't pass all the bills at once, if there is an agreement, there will be then a short-term uh, continuing resolution or a temporary uh, funding bill that will carry through until they can get everything done. That's assuming there's an agreement. So that's one possibility. The other is, and again, this is just in general. The other is there really isn't an agreement and they do a long-term continuing resolution. Mm -hmm. Um, basically that means they go by, it, it avoids a shutdown, but you stick by the funding levels of the previous year, which would be FY19, and there's one major concern on that. The last piece is that if there is a one-year CR and it is not pre-agreed to, the sequestration will not take effect in January, I believe it's the second week, sequestration will start. The sequestration mm -hmm. cuts will come back into play. Um, obviously, you'll be hearing more from the national office, Paul, Trish, and others, if that were the case, and I'm not saying it is yet, but that is one path that we are potentially looking at. And then the third is just, unfortunately, what we've seen before, a shutdown, you know, and that can come in a number of forms. First, we can see in September 30th, no agreement, uh, so October 1st, government is shut down. 
uh, or we can have a short-term CR. They try to you know rectify, come to a deal, no deal. The short-term CR runs out, and that's what happened last time before yeah. we went into the 35-day shutdown. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for taking us through all of those different paths. And as we sit here at the end of June, it's certainly not too early at all to be looking ahead to what is uh, potentially coming. So uh, best for our members, especially those uh, legislative activists, to remain uh, very engaged and very active. So thank you. Yeah, and again, a big shout out over to the field and the activists for all the work they do. Um, you know, we have a good team over here in terms of the legislative, which is, you know, government affairs and includes obviously communications, uh, lawyers, everybody else, and obviously, you know, our leadership. Um, but the field is what kind of gives us the juice we need. So I encourage everybody to keep working with the NLC does a great job. Uh, keep working with them and keep helping us over here. So thanks again for everything, Doug. Thank you, Jose. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of the NACA podcast. We will talk to you very soon.